<laughs> oh, good. And then we can get off, started off on our right foot. Wait a minute. I didn't even have a cold open for this. Oh, you started. You already clicked the button. Yeah. Well, might as well record more than last. I wasn't even ready. I didn't even. Oh, hold on. Let me go. Like I'm getting my brain in a. Here we go. Uh, all right. And now I'm ready. I, I do have to do all the dad things today. We can start with that. Um, what do you mean? So I. <laughs> We, so we have a ton of oak trees on our property, like a lot. And I've got to pick up the leaves constantly because if you just leave the leaves there, your grass is going to die um, because I get a whole blanket of leaves. So I like, I constantly pick them up with my mower, which is like part mulcher as well. And then I was doing this yesterday. I have to do my backyard in sections because it's so big. So like I did one section yesterday. Then I was like, okay, I'll do the next section before I lose sunlight. And like halfway through it, the huge gust of wind blew. <laughs> and like the first section I did just got covered in leaves again. And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so <clears throat> I got to do that again today. And then I have to go to Menards and finish getting Christmas lights for my house. So I, I hung like half of them that I need to get more. But also yesterday found out, yesterday morning, I found out my bathroom sink upstairs was leaking. So I have to replace like a whole drain, like a whole, like a whole pipe. So mowing the lawn, hanging Christmas lights and replacing a sink drain. I, have I, mean, become I don't even know if dad. it's dad stuff. It's just like man stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think it's dad. This is stuff that my dad did. Well, it, it's funny because like the sink was uh, leaking before and like Lauren had said, mentioned it to me and it's been take it's taken me forever to like actually like address the problem. Because when I looked, I was like, well, it's not leaking anymore. But like, that doesn't mean it's not going to leak. And I tried to catch her and I was like, if it's leaking and I'm not fixing it, why don't you fix it? But, (laughs) you know, I was trying to get her on like a guy versus girl thing. But she's like, you didn't ask me to. (laughs) I was like, ah. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's fun. I hate I hate plumbing, but. I don't have a good segue into... That's fine. Let's just do it. All Everybody, right. Well, you know, people are like, oh, long intros, blah, blah, blah. Look at us. Three minutes. Boom. You see that? Look at us. Yeah. Look at us. All right. Well, if you're tuning into this episode, either you're a diehard follower or just a casual follower or this the title of this episode caught you um, or got you interested. So I've been having conversations with a lot of newer agency owners and freelancers, and there's a lot of things... They're, they're, kind of, they're kind of stuck. They're, everyone seems to be stuck at like the one to two clients per month. And they can't really, uh, I'm going to quote, air quote, scale to 10000 a month. And I always air quote that because 10000 a month isn't scaled at all. Um, it, after that, like 100 k a month, like that's scaled. I say that, but once we get to 100 k a month, I'm going to be like, that's not scaled either. One million a month <laughs> is scaled. But... There, I've been noticing there's like been, there's been a lot of differences in, in a lot of reasons and why certain agency owners or freelancers aren't considered scaled or, or aren't aren't. I'm sorry, I had to like I lost my train of thought because I heard a crash upstairs and I'm the only one here. What? And I think it's the Roomba. I think my Roomba smacked me or something <laughs> or like fell down the staircase. <laughs> All right, let me recalibrate. Wait, are, the, are the pets there? They they're have... down. They're uh, they're under my desk. Oh, okay. Never mind. My my twenty five pound cat though. I don't know where he's at. Oh, he could be up there. Uh, maybe. Yeah, he collided with the Roomba. <laughs> the Roomba <laughs> just like ran over him. <laughs> um. No. Okay. So, um, getting back on track here. So the reasons why 
a lot of the people I'm talking to are struggling to grow to a more desirable number are kind of like intermixed in a, a bunch of different things. And usually it starts with one thing, like I can't get clients or it's like, I can't find a good contractor to outsource to. But in a lot of cases, I've also found like, as I started to dig deeper, I've noticed that there's actually more underlying issues in what their issue is. So the first one is, you know, that I, one of the ones that I mentioned was I can't get contractors to, to execute the work. Um, well, is that the problem or is the problem you don't have your processes handled internally? And we'll get to that, but I, I want to kind of set the stage for this episode, which is the five reasons why your agency isn't scaling, in our opinion. <laughs> so I'll start it off with number one. And number one is important for me because this one is uh, you're trying to scale too fast. And it's what all the gurus preach. All of them preach. All you need is five clients at $2,000 a month and you've got $10,000 a month. Or all you need is one client at $10,000 a month. And I've said this before. But if you, whatever you charge, you have to deliver the same value. So if you're charging $10,000 a month, which by the way is like the minimum for what like SEO costs for like Gary V's agency, mm -hmm. is you have to be able and willing to provide that level of value and that expertise. And business owners aren't stupid. They're, they're going to pick up on the fact that you're pulling one over on them if you're not delivering that value month over month, and they will leave you after a month or two. So getting five clients of that is extremely difficult when you factor in churn and, and trying to develop a service that actually repeats. So we've been very honest about that too, though, in the past where we've talked about our failures and stuff. And one thing that we learned early on was once you break that, that four digit mark, once you start asking a company for over a thousand dollars a month, you got to know, what you're doing because they're going to hold you more accountable than just being in the three digit range. Right. There's always the argument where it's like, people are always like, or there's the meme that says, you know, it's like $500 client and it's like, so dem like, like a very demanding person. Then it's like $10,000 a month, a client. They're like, here's the check. Yeah. That's never been the case. That's not, not a single time. Maybe like there, there's probably like a threshold into which like the, the value you deliver versus the cost of the service that you're providing that is um, in line with the the rest of the market, there's probably like a threshold in which they're like, yeah, here's the check. And it also depends on the service you're offering. Like if you're offering like administrative work, yeah, it probably is more of like a, here's the check because they just need that work offloaded. But if you actually have to deliver results on what, on the service that you're providing, uh, there's, there's probably more that goes into that. Um, so I, all of our clients that have high dollars, they're, they're the most demanding ones. I mean, they're they're the ones that expect more because they're paying more. So I don't know where this notion of, you know, we just get high paying clients. They don't care where the money goes. Wait, so all right, you say point one, just say it like flat out again, because I, I had questions about it that I want to ask you, but I just want to hear it again. I said you're trying to scale too fast. Who's who's deciding this? Who's the one saying you got to go at this speed? And if not, you're a loser. Like, who, where are these decisions hey, coming from? Or dude. who's saying this sort of stuff? I don't get it. What? All what, right. How do people I'll, get I'll, this in their brain? I'll call someone out now. Iman Gaji. He, he's the, I mean, he he's like the number one person I think that I think of when they're like, this is how fast you can scale. He has a quote in one of his videos that 
I'm going to find this because I actually wrote notes on this one for a future episode, future potential episode. This is yet another guy I don't know or remember. I remember it didn't. I had to send you a message, though, and I just said whatever sounded the close to his name. And I was like, hey, Gandhi, (laughs) Bali, you know, message me. I don't know what happened, (laughs) but I don't know why it came up. Do you remember? Yeah, I I do. I remember someone was applying and they had like a similar name or something. Nah, okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, this is his quote. So in his agency navigator video, he states, when you set up and run your agency the, quote, right way, it's effortless to attract at least three to four new clients and produce $100,000 per year. When you execute this process correctly, you should get at least three to four new clients per month. To make $100,000 per year in a job, it takes qualifications, decades of work experience, and slave-like hours. When you start an agency business, 100K is the norm. There's your answer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I got to say to that. Okay. Uh, Seriously, I mean, who... uh, It just makes me feel gross. Like, it makes me feel gross because people, somebody... this is just taking advantage of people's insecurities because the people who feel bad about this, just they're still dependent on other people's approval and you know, whatnot. The fact is it's your life. Like grow as fast or as slow as you want to. You're the one who has to live with it and, and what you are or aren't doing. Uh, Don't let anyone tell you what to do, including us. Right. We listen to us. I mean, thanks. And, Jake always gets mad when I say this. I'm like, hey, you know, we're just guys. We are, though. We're just guys. And by all means, come back and fight with us if, if you're like, I disagree with that. But don't just don't just accept these things that people are saying and then decide that I mean, if you want to, if you want to decide and agree with that sort of thing and then say, yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, I want to. But don't I don't know. Don't beat yourself up. Everybody's going on their own thing here. Right. It's we're not. I don't know. You don't have enemies. Uh, I think that you're doing your own thing and and do what you're capable of to the best of your ability. I see a lot of I see a lot of TikTok gurus out there saying that you're not a man unless you're making 10k a month. Like it's like it's the same message, and I see that all the time. And like there is this notion of if you're if your agency isn't successful fast, you're a failure. And the only I'll, I'll only say this: the only realistic expectation that I've ever probably heard because we actually attained it was. A thousand days to replace a day job income. So if your income, if you're, if you make fifty thousand dollars a year at your day job, it can take approximately a thousand days to replicate that. And I would say that it takes a thousand days of nights after your day job to replicate that. So basically, a thousand days to double your total income. Because if if we would have left, if both of us would have just jumped ship, I bet it would have taken us less than a thousand days. But the risk was way higher and we also like literally just couldn't afford that i think it's i think it's a thousand days of full-time effort however you're doing it so we we split it we're partners right um it was nights for us um i and i think that yeah but to your point it's that's a warning that's just a heads up that's not a you're a loser if you don't do it it's a you should be mentally prepared to grind and hustle for three years uh before things are where you're at right now right not not better <laughs> you know like it's it's just a hey you should know so you don't um overestimate yourself sort of thing it's not a hey if you don't do it you're a loser or if it takes you twice as long you're a loser it, do whatever i don't know yeah i'm i'm also not convinced you can make 
much more than ten thousand dollars a month in less than a year without like breaking anything or pissing anyone off. <laughs> I yeah. like that's a lot, and that's a lot of workload. I mean, that's a full time workload. And then, how are you also going to grow the agency on top of that? I mean, that that, that at a certain point, like you either got to have your processes defined be- because in your first year, you're learning too. You're not just like le- if you're already an expert in Google Ads or S- SEO or social media marketing or whatever. If you're already an expert in that, I can guarantee you you're not an expert in actually delivering those services as a provider. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of internal things that you've got to figure out too. And doing that in the first year, like good luck. But I this this whole first point, this is probably going to be our longest first the longest point is this first one because this is really kind of the impetus of this episode of of why I wanted to to have a conversation with it. But uh, there was there's. Um, a listener who uh, reached out, who messages me from time to time, uh, just about advice for his agency, and for um, he he had asked like how to or how do people scale so fast? Because I asked him, to, I was like, you need to bring you, you just your stuff internal, and I'll explain more about the story later when we get into the other points. But I was like, you need to bring a lot of your stuff internally because he's running into other issues, and he's like, well, if I have to learn all of the to do like the execution and the marketing how am i going to have time to do that and also acquire and close clients to grow the agency and i was like well you do both like you you have to you have to get the clients first manage them and then split your time in that and client acquisition and then there's going to be a certain point in which you can no longer acquire clients because you're so focused on managing your client work which is a good place to be that means you're successful in delivering your services. It means your clients are staying with you and you've got a good product. That's when you start looking to hire. And and yeah, you're going to take home less because if you're, if you're getting used to managing, let's say, uh, eight clients at even a thousand bucks a piece, that's eight thousand a month. If you're, get, if you're getting used to that, you're going to have to pay someone two to four thousand dollars a month if you do it like in-house, if you do it um, like if you pay American wages, essentially. So your income is going to be cut in half so you can focus on growing the business. So when you first start, you've got to, you, you can't expect to bring home 100K a month or 100K a year. Um, addition, alternatively, you can outsource the labor to, you can basically contract someone to work internally in, in a cheaper country, like in the Philippines or something like that. That's just not our style. So that's an option that I explained to him that you you can do both. You can manage your clients and work on growing the company. You don't have to just do one or the other and nobody's scaling fast. That was his other argument. He said, how do other people scale so fast? And I said, they don't. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Here, here, wait, wait, just, I want to, I want to take that and I want to analyze it. He said, he's say it again. He said, what? He said, how do, how do other people scale so fast? What is so fast? Who is he comparing himself to? Who is, who are the so fast people? I would, I would imagine there are two types of people. One is the gurus who are selling their courses and two, the people in groups who are bragging or swinging their meat around. Look, okay, hold on. Let's talk about Pat Flynn for a second. And I'm not, I'm not going to crap on him. That's not my point. That's not what I mean. Cause he, he's put out a lot of good content. I've learned a lot of good stuff from him too. Um, he is the prime example of the, of the guru, even if they have good intentions, which is going from zero to because his was, his was affiliate marketing, right? Zero to 10K. Anyway, I don't even care how or where. Just doing that, zero to 10K. 
that is a very different process and thing from 10K and above, 10K to 20K, 10K to 100K, 100K to a million K. Those are different things. But it's very easy to get to 10K and then say, well, I'll just start to, I'll, I'm going to teach people that. that, And then I'll start making money. And then they make the real money from that. They And that was Pat Flynn. He went from making 10K to 100K, but he was still only making the 10K from affiliate marketing. He wasn't teaching people how to do affiliate marketing at you know, a hundred thousand a month, except for becoming a guru and teaching other people to, you know, just replicating the process. So that's don't, you need a direct comparison. If, if you are going to do some sort of comparison where you're saying, or you're, you know, either you're disappointing yourself or you're trying to be on a supposed path. Um, I see it most commonly where people uh, who are bootstrapped, compare themselves to venture back situations. And that's not fair. It's not fair to do to yourself when other people are cash infused, when they have outside money coming in to accelerate things, that is not the same. It's not even close to the same situation as pulling yourself up from the bootstraps, you know, doing just using what you have and growing within your limitations that you're able to do that sort of thing. Of course, you can make internal choices on how much you want to sacrifice like money wise, like not pay yourself, pay other people to help grow your business at a certain pace, that sort of thing. But you need a direct comparison. And that that's one of them is don't compare yourself to people who are cash infused, who have investors, if that's not you. And then the other thing is the guru thing. And I'm even going to say con men, because a lot of them are, if that's what they're selling. And if if you want to go from zero to 10k, and then, you know, ditch out, change your name, sink your company um, and then just take the money and run that sort of thing. Cause they do that. They're out there. I'm not going to say names um, because it's also, I just haven't paid that much attention in a long time because I don't want to know who I don't care about them. But the point is don't, if you're going to determine a speed that you feel obligated to do a direct comparison, but, and I'm just going to say, just don't even do it at all because it doesn't matter. You grow at the pace that you're capable of doing. That's all you need to do. If I lost my train of thought, what would I say? <laughs> You'd say, I, I had, that was great, man. Let's do number two. That was, <laughs> dude, that was, that was great. That was great. Okay. So if you, I know what I was going to say. If you want to make yourself feel better, if, if you're seeing all these people that are like, I scaled my agency to seven figures or, or whatever, which is usually what I hear, you can do one of two things or three things really. If they say they do Google ads, see if their agency Well, one, look up their agency. What is their agency? Especially all these gurus that have like their own YouTube channel and they sell their own, co- own course. What is their agency? Do some history on that. How, how long have they been around? How long has their domain been around? Is their SEO even good? Uh, two, if they do Google ads, are they a Google partner? Because you don't have to spend very much to become a Google partner. Uh, it's like 10K in three months and have good account standing. So don't have to do much. Second, if they're bragging about seven figures, are they on the Inc. 5000 list? And and the argument that I get on that is, well, I'm not interested in being in that list. No, but you're interested in paying on being on Forbes or you're interested in all this other PR. Why would you not be interested in being on a legitimate Inc. 5000 list? So that's usually kind of like when I see people do this, like that's my first thought is to to not even believe them and just just to go see for myself. Because there's a lot of indicators that you can tell if someone's actually being truthful. Uh, okay, I think we should we we spent some time on that one. We should we yeah, should move that on. was a lot. That was my All spiciest. Right. Oh, I, I, I had one last point on that one, which is 
Do you think it's a good idea to quit your day job to try and scale quickly to replace your income? No. Wait, hold on. Sorry. I, I was like ready for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you should, you should have just kept going with it. <laughs> this is... This this is uh this this question has survivorship bias, right? This is the problem is that the people who do it then come back and say, I had to. It was the only way I could have, right? And if that's you, okay. You you're the only person who can prove yourself right or wrong. Um but what doesn't happen, you don't hear people who do that and then fail and then, you know, airing out their dirty laundry and being like, yeah, I tried it and it didn't work. <laughs> what a terrible idea. Nobody's <laughs> saying My wife that. left me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it's also, I've said it before, my, my story, well, one, it, it was always, when I left um, Spinutech, it was weird for a couple of reasons. One is I was going back to school. Uh, and then the second one was, I just, I was honest with them and I told them I might be back. I don't like this. I might fail. This might not work. There's a chance that this doesn't actually go great. And it has, which I'm happy. But um, I took it at a risk when I did that too, partly because I I did the savings thing. But um, no, I don't think, I think that if, if you think that you're going to do that, then you need to at least prove to yourself that you're going to create the problem first, because Everybody will say, I'm going to do this and then go, you know, I'm going to go do the thing. But if you start doing the thing and then you create the problem, that's a much better place to be because you've already proven to yourself that you can do it. But anybody can say, I'm going to go do this and then not. That's what most people do with everything. Just think of New Year's resolutions with the gym, right? I'm going to wait. I'm January 1st. Yeah, January 1st. I'm going to go back. I'm going to lose all this weight. How does that go? I think I think it might be smart if you left your job to to do something you're already an expert in to start on your own. Like like if a landscaper left his landscaping job to start a landscaping company. Like I think that's one thing. But if you're leaving your day job in corporate America to start an agency because you saw online you can make money doing an agency but you don't know how to actually do the marketing work, that's stupid because mm-hmm. you've got a lot to learn from not only execution but also just business management in general. Like you know nothing. You saw a YouTube video <laughs> or you read a Neil Patel article. I don't know, but you did something and that, that caused you to do this. So learn it first and you can learn it on nights and weekends. Um, you can learn it on the treadmill by listening to this podcast. There's some of the, when you were talking earlier about what one of the guys was saying and I just, a lot of the, it's funny. I always think it's hilarious when it comes up to say it. Um, but when they just start complaining about the work, the work itself, because that's the like it always comes back to that problem of, oh, you know, doing the work. And I just think, have you tried sleeping less? <laughs> and I mean it honestly, like some people just don't want to not sleep and, and not do the work. And honestly, I've gotten better at this point of actually like sleeping and taking care of Dude, myself. You were up at 6 a.m. this morning. I was shot. Well, I mean, <laughs> you've been up at 6 a.m. like the last, you know, few months. Yeah, I'm trying to be more of a normal person. Um, but there's still it, it goes it ebbs and flows you get to do that and then you don't get to do that what is an ebb i don't know i was just i i've heard it so i just thought i'd try it but i didn't think you'd actually call me out on it so I've, I've never used the expression because i don't know what an ebb is i just did it but i don't know what it is and <laughs> i'm just i feel like i'm yeah i was gonna say i was gonna be like i'm proliferating something but i don't see that was another one i've heard it i don't even know what that means 
Yeah, you've said um, precarious a lot, and I still don't quite grasp the word. So Okay, that's one I love, though. I do love yeah. precarious. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Yep. Okay, my next one was, uh, is it, the title of it is You Lack a Foundation. In other words, like managing your services internally and being an expert in them. And I, I really wanted to point this one out because this is like the reason why I'm telling uh, this person I'm talking to that they need to bring their services internal. And I'm, I'll give you an example of what happened. So I've, I've always been a strong proponent of this, but I've never had like the moment where I was like, Hey, like, you know, screw around, find out, you know, you don't listen to me, but you know, see what happens. And so what he did was he hired a, a, someone off of Fiverr to build a WordPress website for a client that he charged his client for. The person off of Fiverr built the website and the client was like, yep, it's good, whatever. Then all of a sudden it started having serious loading issues. And the person off of Fiverr was basically like, it's going to, I don't, I can't remember if they were like, it's going to be X amount of dollars to fix it. Or if they were like, I don't know, man, like I, you signed off on it. It's good. I did my job. I built the website. It's yours now. You know, it's loading issues are your problem. Uh, he doesn't know what to do because he doesn't know how to build a website or fix a website or manage one. And so now you are faced with, I guess, two options, really. One is find someone to hire and fix it and pay for that and hope that they're not like this Fiverr guy. Or two, learn how to fix it yourself. And this is the problem that I have with with having a lot of your complicated services outsourced when you don't even have the process for it internally. And I was like, look, if you knew how to, how to manage your own website, how to build the websites, you would know exactly what there is to do to fix it. And I looked at it and I immediately knew what was wrong with it because I know how to build a website. I know how to manage one. I know how to, especially if it's WordPress, it takes no technical knowledge to set up a WordPress website. It just takes a little bit. There's a, there's a learning curve, but you don't have to know any kind of coding or any kind of whatever to, to manage it. And so the first thing I noticed of why this was taking so long was that the, the main header of the website was a GIF. It was a five second GIF and it was 34 megabytes large this is a little bit not to mention that the gif was actually inserted via javascript which is also weird i don't know what plugin this developer used to to insert this gif as a background but i would not insert a gif or video through javascript and <clears throat> that's getting a little technical but if, the, if he's using a visual builder you can just plug it in and it's not through javascript it's just through the um the css but i I, I found it through JavaScript. It wasn't like, you know, you, you, you right click on an image and you go to like, you know, view or um, was it view source or something? Yeah, you want the page source. Yeah. 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 And you can usually find the image like in the HTML. I couldn't find the HTML. I had to go to the JavaScript and go to the bottom of the console and find it in there. And then so I opened that in a new tab. I downloaded it and then I checked the file details out on my computer. I'm like, yeah, this thing is 34 megabytes. There's no way this is loading fast on anyone's computer. So uh, what I did was I converted it to MP4 instead of a GIF, and it dropped the file size from 34 megabytes down to four and a half megabytes. That's like an 85% drop. So just doing that one simple thing and then also just going through and like minimizing all of the images. And then also, if that was inserted through JavaScript, what else is inserted through JavaScript? Because the number one thing should now be to mitigate the amount of JavaScript that's on the site. And it sounds super technical, but if you are an expert in this and you can manage this, like this wouldn't have been a problem. You could just go in and be like, no, 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 this is messed up. Or if you knew this and you still wanted to outsource the work, you could give your outsource person criteria on how to build these sites. 
So I, I even explained to them, him like, when we build a site, we've built it off of an already optimized template that we built internally. And we have like no more than four plugins. That's like one of our rules. Uh, the more plugins you have, the slower the site loads. It's also security risk. Um, and they start to collide and, and have issues. Yep, stuff breaks. We also use only theme defaults. So we don't do inline CSS or HTML to customize font styles. Everything has to be in the theme, unless there's like a background that's a different color for aesthetic purposes. But um, there's just a whole slew of rules that we have. So now we could outsource our onboarding because we have all of that documented. Well, I mean, some of it's changing right now. That's why we hired Angie. But like mm. this, this is probably like one of the main things that you're not scaling is because your services can't even be fixed when they break from someone who you've outsourced to. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I hear some of this stuff because, okay, split this two ways. One is just subcontracting and the concept of subcontracting. And, and that's not new. Um, for example, uh, lawn care companies that don't do mowing, they subcontract out the mowing part, right? Um, in general, with subcontracting, you're still dealing with the, I'm responsible as the, company who's now subcontracting this so anything that happens through the subcontractor is my fault and my responsibility to deal with um you should have a good relationship with whoever you're subcontracting to you should know them decently well uh, and know what their standards are and what you can expect and and that sort of thing if you are going to be open to subcontracting so that's that's the one side but i think the the flip side with the internet is that there's just been a lot of things that people have decided are, are not weird. And this is one of them is, hey, I'm going to go uh, start a business that I know zero about. Right. And, and I'm going to go start a mar- like a marketing agency or a web design company or whatever. And I know nothing about it, but I'm just going to outsource the whole thing. Um, and I, I do know, like, I've heard a few stories of people in traditional businesses somehow making that work. But I've heard a lot more of it not working. And usually when people are successful in business, it's because they're doing business with something that they know. And it's just, I, I do, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because this is one of the things that the internet has just decided is okay and normal. It's like um, selfies. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, it's like a lot of stuff that I've just like that uh, taking a picture of yourself crying. Right. I mean, there's so many <laughs> things that happen online where I'm like, who I'm looking around, like who decided this? Who decided that it's cool to go start a business you know zero and it's going to be totally fine? It's just a low barrier to entry thing. Like it doesn't require any like specialized skills or tools or like equipment or anything to start, and anyone can do it. Then why don't you even do it then? Right? I mean, like if you start a carpet cleaning business, you're going to clean the carpets, right? Like nobody's out here starting a carpet cleaning business and then not cleaning the carpets. That's crazy yeah. sauce. Like if you're going to at least, okay, then start a low barrier to enter the, then do it. If you're going to, if you're going to do the easy thing, at least I mean, do the easy. There's the, there's the other benefits of like, well, it's remote. You can work from anywhere. People sell the lifestyle, which is like, you know, doing work on a beach, which you can do. And, uh, and I, I think when, when all those things are combined, you know, having a digital agency really, um, uh, really paints a really healthy work life balance picture. That's terrible. It's not healthy at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it, it can be but no starting a business in general is if you care about your health no i wouldn't i wouldn't do that at all i wouldn't recommend it um, anyway yeah I, what was i gonna say um oh no that's all i was gonna say i gotta take him out though because he he's telling me he's got a shit no nah, okay i'll be back okay 
2,000 years later. All right, cool. Well, let's go to the third point. Yeah. Third point is uh, your processes aren't outlined or documented. So this, I, I wanted to have this like right after the you lack a foundation because even if you had all of your processes internal, dude, I'm, I'm out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> did you run? I did. Yeah. Well, I, I have a split foyer, so I have to run up like almost two flights of stairs just to get to the upper level to take the dogs out. So I did that and then I ran back down and uh, it doesn't matter how in shape you are, dude, when you run up your, your, the stairs in your own house and you're 30 years old, you'll always be out of breath. <laughs> uh, all right. So even if you have all of the services internal, like you manage them and you do them all, if they're not outlined or documented, you're not going to get much further because as soon as you bring someone on board, whether it's internal or a contractor that you offload these processes to, you're, uh, they're going to do things their way. And if you don't control that, there's no way for you to actually scale. So a big thing for, for Cody and myself is all of our processes are documented. Well, not all of them. But the but the main well we're we're working towards that. But yeah, we the keep main ones, on it. yeah, the main ones for onboarding, we're pretty much hands off. If it's a standard client, we sign them. The client gets started, like the the project goes and click up, and then boom, from start to finish, like Cody and I hardly ever handle anything other than like checking their work, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And same thing goes for like contractors. So like technically from the outside looking in, like Lisette or Laura or Angie are contractors that we're handing work off to. But they're, we, they're internal contractors. <laughs> they're, they're team members that are internal, and this is the only thing they do. But from a financial perspective, they're paid as contractors. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I don't know how agencies scale from zero without having the expertise documented or some way transferable to the people who are actually going to do the work itself. Um, I've seen like uh, half ways where it's been, I don't mean half done, it's been done. But, um, you know, if you're not doing that sort of thing, then you're going to be relying on expertise of people, right? People who just know, and that's going to be expensive. People well, who know what they're doing are expensive. You got an agency, a paper agency. You got one that is easily damaged and destroyed and you don't have anything that can grow past what you know or what your expert knows. So if your expert is the contractor and they leave, they get hit by a bus. They, I, I had a really good one for like managing your services internally for lack of foundation that I forgot because Jax was telling me he had to go outside. But this kind of ties in well too. And it's that a lot of, a lot of the advice that we, that, that we, I hear is, to when you manage client ads on like Facebook or Google or whatever is to have your client credit card in the account. And that way, you know, quote unquote, they're responsible for, you know, any overspend or any, any spending issues. Again, we're, we don't subscribe to that belief, but if, if that's how you did it and you also hired a contractor to execute that work and your contractor put one too many zeros in it and into the, the daily budget, who is responsible for that now? So technically, you're right. It would, so technically, according to the law, it would be, at least the U.S. law, it would be your client, even though they could take you to court for it. Um, but now you've got this middleman who is the one that actually messed it up. So how are you going to take them to court if they're in the Philippines? Well, you're not taking... <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just worst case yeah, scenario. No, no, no. So, I'm just like, I'm know? trying to think of like, 
what people <laughs> yeah it's what you i don't know it's what you sign up for anybody who's not thinking otherwise anybody who's thinking if i'm i'm subcontracting and then i'm going to have a major problem that i knew i was taking on the risk and now i'm going to you know go grill them like you're just not a grown-up right i mean you gotta this is this is the risk of business it blows my mind that like 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 people are okay with that combination they're okay with the combination of managing a client's ads with the client's credit card in the ad account and then having a contractor that they're subcontracting to manage that like that blows my mind that is like the peak of irresponsibility yep all right well anyways that was that was what i wanted to, to mention so that was good yeah, I don't think we need to say anything more on like your processes and services. I, I honestly think that if you if you want to know more about that, I mean, we've got tons and tons of. I mean, we had that episode with uh, Chris Walker at Legit. I think it was like uh, here it is, episode sixty four, where the the title of it is literally "Don't sell a service you can't deliver yourself," which is which is awesome coming from Chris because he owns a and, and manages a platform where people can sell their services essentially subcontract. So to hear his perspective on that too is is also really good. So I encourage you to listen to episode 64. Um, okay, so my next one, this is number four. Number four is you don't know your internal labor rate. And this is something that we believe to our core is probably one of the most important things in scaling an agency. If you don't know your internal labor rate, you're going to either uh, overbook or underbook the amount of clients that you have and you're not going to be able to scale properly. So if you underbook and you try to scale... And add more people and more contractors, you're going to be ne- negative. You're going to be in the hole for money. If you overbook, uh, you're not going to be able to deliver on the clients that you have and people are going to leave your agency uh, internally because there's too much work to handle. Um, additionally, when you don't know your internal labor rate, you don't know how much to actually charge for your work. Either it becomes a value bill or do you sink too much time into it to where it no longer matters. And it, like the amount of money that you're getting for the amount of time that you're spending is not equal. And this was a point that I wanted to throw in here because it came up in conversation with the same person, like the whole reason for this, this episode. And is because he has what well, I think he, I could be getting this wrong, but he has, he has one client and he's spending 10 hours per week on the client. He's charging them $550 a month. So you do the math. That's 1375 an hour. Just get a which, job at McDonald's, man. Yeah. In the U S that's what McDonald's pays. So, I mean, we, we've talked about this too before. When we first started, that's what we were working for. I mean, this is the same problem that Marcus is running into as well, where he's making like 10 bucks an hour with how much he agreed to work with his first client, which is fine because yeah. it's your first client and you're getting experience. However, if this is what you're doing and you're outsourcing everything, this is backwards because now you're not even getting experience. You're just arbitraging stuff and you're spending more time than you need to, especially if you're just selling the labor off. Um, or yeah, buying sorry. I said the whole McDonald's thing, but here's what I meant by that is if you if you think if you're in that spot and you're doing that and you think this is fine, <laughs> you know, like you're, you're, the, you're the dog, but actually and the, with the, the, the burning yeah. house fire. Yeah. Um, if you think that and you truly think that you're that that's an OK spot, you're you're not you're not OK. Um, you need to recognize that that's a temporary thing and that you're going to have to improve upon it because look, it's not, it's not bad to just be there. Um, it's bad to stay there, right? You have to move and, and move up. And like Jake said, um, look, this is normally, uh, 
products that don't have not not service businesses or if they are service businesses that um materials are, of cost are extremely low right if, if you have inventory e-commerce right or any sort of product business then manufacturing you have to account for that you have to do your math and figure out you know how the numbers work out and you have to be very conscious and aware of where all the the money is going so it's it's bonkers man when you start a agency and then you aren't in some way quantifying what your hours are worth that's just weird and it, it can't scale it can't work your, your hours i'm going to quote mark again here from you know old boss hours are inventory your hours are your inventory if you're an agency then you need to know that what you have available is time and there has to be a dollar amount attached to it and then you have to figure out what's good what's healthy and what's reasonable to expect people to do or not do because like jake said right i mean you you overbook you're going to make people's lives hell and they're going to leave and they should and they should because you've done a bad job or if you underdo it then yeah uh, you know ramen noodles rice it's gonna be tough so um yeah you gotta find that out and you gotta you have to know you have to have a calculated labor rate and yeah it'll start low and it'll go up with your expertise and um your ability to do things more efficiently right i mean all that we good talk, stuff we've talked about this a lot like and we even in one of the recent episodes i can't remember which one it was we, i think we were like you can start at 100 you can start even lower than that if you're a freelancer you can start at 40 bucks an hour but as soon as you get to the point of saying i want to start hiring people i think it needs to be at least 100 um even like in like the lawn care industry our our clients are charging 80 bucks per labor hour because it's very low skilled work but in an agency space I personally believe it should be at least a hundred an hour. And it sounds like a lot, especially if you're by yourself, hundred an hour is a lot, but you, you also have to live minimally. Uh, you have to, you have to go back to point number one of this episode. You have to live minimally because a hundred bucks an hour is a hundred bucks an hour right now. But as soon as you hire somebody, it's like 30 bucks an hour and mm. it starts, it starts to drop. And we've talked about this in episode 19. This is specifically about how to calculate your internal labor rate and yeah, why we give the models, right? Revenue. Yeah. And then, and then episode 60 with Ilya Markov with Toggle uh, about time tracking because you need to know how much time you're spending if you're going to track your internal labor rate. And then there's a third one uh, that's that we recently talked about. It was episode 69, which is the goals that we aim for in our agency. And the only real goal that we have is making sure that our internal labor rate is an, is an acceptable amount of, of our allocated labor. So Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's, it's, um, it's different thinking about it now. Because if you don't have a team yet, um, you're not thinking about it. You're just thinking about yourself. You're just thinking about yourself. That sounds mm-hmm. selfish. Um, but, you know, like uh, you, ha- you have to do it for planning purposes. But I, I think it becomes especially more important. It's, it's much more critical once you start having team members. Because, like, if you want to run your life into the ground, that's your choice. Right. But uh, when you have a team, people aren't signing up to be abused. <laughs> I really hope that they're not. And I, I hope that you're not um you're not out there trying to abuse them and just make, you know, take advantage of them to the max that you can. Um service businesses, you know, we get beat up enough by uh by people who don't want to recognize that people are behind this. Um but yeah, uh, I, have a heart, I, right? I wish I wish that we would have started this out with six reasons because I thought of a sixth reason. Maybe I'll just change it and then <laughs> Well, uh, we'll address it later. But <laughs> the other one was like, you don't plan ahead. Like, because you mentioned like when you start planning, 
it starts to matter. But when at the very beginning, you're only thinking about yourself, which is true, but everything you need, you need to do, you need to think like three steps ahead. Mm-hmm. Cody and I were just having this discussion last night. And one of the problems that we run into, it, it's more of an annoyance or an inconvenience for us, is two-factor authentication. So we have a, a general email that people share to log into dashboards and to see analytics and a general email for Google business profiles. That way, our clients not to add like every new team member we get. They just add one email and then we have access to it. The problem is, is we are we have a lot of security. So when everything we sign up for, we have two-factor authentication. Well, if one email or one Google voice number is associated to an email that we set up that everybody has access to, if they need to get access to it on a new device or they, they reset their cookies or cash and they've got to get a 2FA uh, text message from Cody, including myself. And the problem with that is if you want to run and establish a remote agency where you have team members all over the world, the moment that's like 6 p.m. for someone else or noon for someone else and they need 2FA and it's 4 a.m. for Cody, that's not that's not very scalable. You're going to offset work, client work by you know a whole day at least. And it's just not acceptable. So last night I was talking to Cody because I found basically a solution or a possible solution that we've got to dig into. And again, it's not a problem of ours right now. But I remember telling you, you're like, is this like a right now thing or a later thing? And I was mm-hmm. like, it's it's a later thing, but it's going to suck when we start getting a lot of employees and it's going to delay a lot of stuff. So we need to f- figure out what the solution is now so we can prepare to move to that. I and, think it's a good partner question to ask too. This is like a random offshoot, but I like just asking like, hey, is this a now thing? Like, because if you tell me like we need to prioritize this now, I'm like, OK, I'm on, I'm on it. Right. I'll I'll make it happen. But yeah, it's, it's good to know. You got to be realistic about what you what you decide to prioritize too, because this is really this is very important. It's very important for our growth, but it but there's other things right now that are more important for our growth, and and we need to address it when we have time, and when we but but before we get too big, we start to get you know ten you know ten team members, ten minions. I, I think that's when we absolutely need it. That's the priority. Yep. Um, okay. Cool. Well, that was that was number I guess five. So number six. <laughs> Number number six is your product sucks. So, <laughs> if you're if you're if you're managing your client work on yourself and you're helping and you're and you're growing the agency um, by yourself, you do all the internal work, your processes are outlined, and you know your internal labor rate, but you're still not growing. It's probably because your product sucks. Like you probably you don't probably don't have a product that's actually scaling or that actually like is mutually profitable, which is a huge thing that we promote. So if it's profitable, it's got to be profitable for you. And it also has to be profitable for your client. You can't just produce something that your client pays for and then they don't get a return. They have to be able to track and measure that return, which is one of the reasons why we're such a strong proponent of accurate KPIs and reporting. We've mm-hmm. had a couple episodes on this as well. So um, if if you're, you're if all the boxes are checked, but then you get to, you're like, hey, I'm not scaling, take a look at your product. I mean, that's why we have our core, the foundation, because that thing sold like hotcakes. That was a great product. Still is. Yeah. Still slaps. I mean, again, know, know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems weird. I mean, experiment, right? That's a good idea, too. Um, but uh, those are there's two different uh, ways that you can kind of approach a marketer, go to market where you're taking something from zero to one. Are you going from one one to five hundred plus, right? Uh, and for us, uh, 
at least product wise, it was very much a, a one to 500 because you know, we, we knew uh, what we were going to offer and we knew that it worked and, and that wasn't an issue. Um, exploring new things like that, there's even greater risk. There's more potential for reward and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I wouldn't have that be the baseline product. I wouldn't go from or know that, you know, uh, this is going to be risky and volatile even more than any other case or situation. I think I don't care if we were on the podcast talking about it, but I, Jake, we were talking like uh, local service businesses. I was saying like we need a uh, what is it? I dry cleaner. There we go. That's it on this side of town. And oh, yeah, there's been more more than that. Um, things that I just noticed I'm like, hey, this this service isn't fulfilled in this market. There's there's more demand than there is supply. And, and all somebody has to do is come in here and do it. And that's it. It's not new. It's not fancy. It's not hard. They just have to come in, do it the way that you do it to run it successfully. And boom, there you go. Right. Um, so don't reinvent if you don't have to. And then if you are going to reinvent, understand that that comes with separate and different risks too. Um, and, and if you're, if that's where your agency is, you're going from that zero to one and you're wondering why it's not working. Well, maybe there isn't a market for it. Yeah. I think, I think, I think outlining your start. I mean, if you just say I do Facebook ads, okay. Uh, how are your Facebook ads profitable for your client? And, what are you doing differently? Or maybe you're not doing anything differently first. Maybe you're just learning, but you're, but you're, you're, you're still providing a need, which is uh, people need Facebook ads or they need Google ads. And even if you're not differentiating yourself in the beginning, I mean, maybe you are just by your niche, but maybe you're not differentiating yourself by your other competitors. You can, when you first start, I mean, you're, you can be solely focused on like one or two clients and that's your value. And we're getting into a whole different topic here, but eventually you while you're learning that you gotta start crafting a product that actually sells that actually does well that, that for your one or two clients where they're like yeah this is great like this works awesome and then start selling that and sk- selling that more and and making sure the quality is the same for each and you're gonna run into situations where it doesn't work for one client one client works extremely well and another client it doesn't work at all so then maybe it never will work for that one client but but maybe it'll work better than what it is. And so the whole the whole point is optimizing the package so that it works for the most amount of people and it isn't totally custom. So keep in mind, like if you do something custom for this one client that it doesn't work, how can you apply that to everybody and, and just change the process for that one product so that it, it works better for everyone? And maybe making it better for that one client that it wasn't working at all for brings down the over success that you had with another client just a little bit, just marginally. To me, that's a better win because it it wins for the most amount of people, um, but maybe not as much for some people. And mm-hmm. I, I I just I approach business in a very utilitarianistic way, and it that's that's really the whole point of of a productized service. Um, even with SaaS, I mean, they're not a SaaS company isn't going to make a specific change that benefits one user. I mean, it's either going to benefit all the users or or the majority of the users. And some people might get less benefit out of it. I mean, look at what Ahrefs is doing right now with switching from like their actual like invoice billing or just like their standard package cost to like actually utilization billing. Like the big agencies are getting hosed. Mm-hmm. And whereas like the small guys, like they now have pricing that's not $200 a month. I'm saying, mm, but I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's all over the internet, dude. Mm, my bad. 
right. People well, are like, what does Cody do? What is he doesn't even know about a lot of these things. He's not I'm like, I don't know. You eat ramen and watch anime. Yep. Live in my own or Panda uh, Express. Focused, focused world of very limited information. I think it's better <laughs> that way though, because there's so much, so much to keep up with. Yeah. All right. Well, let's recap. Let's end this. It was went on longer than we thought it was gonna go. That's what she said. All right. So the the six reasons why your agency isn't scaling will recap. You're trying one, you're trying to scale too fast. Nobody is nobody is making a hundred thousand dollars in their first year. And if they are, things are breaking and they're pissing people off. Or they're an anomaly. And that's not the norm, like Imangaji thinks like, likes to think so. Uh two, you lack a foundation. You don't manage the services internally and you're not an expert in the services that you offer. Those are extremely important because things will go wrong and they, they, they can and they will go wrong. And you need to be able to adjust and fix those and not rely on somebody else to fix the mistakes that are your problem. Three, your processes aren't outlined or documented. Even if you manage things internally, you're not scaling because those processes aren't documented. You, you or someone else is the sole expert. And if you're not able to be present in the moment on every single account forever, your agency will never scale and everything is going to be on the backs of people trying to figure out how to do things all over again. Three or sorry, four, uh, you don't know your internal labor rate. So you don't know how to charge. You're not tracking your time. If you don't know your internal labor rate, you you're spending, you could be spending too much time on a client that's not giving you enough money and it might be good for your pocketbook. But as soon as you start scaling, you're going to be in the negative. Um, five, you don't plan ahead. So you're only thinking about you in the moment, but you need to be thinking about what it looks like if you had 10x that. If you have one client and you're managing this and you're spending X amount of time on it and you're doing X amount of things, what does it look like when you have 10 of those? How many, how many team members do you have managing that? What's your process look like? Can you train 10 team members? Um you know, it just, just goes back onto, you know, Cody and myself looking at how we're going to manage to factor authentication for a remote global team. And um, it's not a problem of, it, of ours now, but it will be and we need to address it. And finally, six is your product sucks. So if it's not mutually profitable, if, if, if you're not making money off of it, it's not a good product. It's not going to scale. If your client's not making money off of it, you're not going to keep clients around long enough or be able to sell it consistently enough for you to actually be able to forecast and make those growth moves that you need to make. And with all that, that is the roundup. That's a, that's the six reasons why your agency isn't scaling. That's good, man. Awesome. I'm be honest I, with you. The whole time you were talking, though, I was just trying to memorize that guy's name or something close to it. And I, I have something. Ready? Here's what I'm going to call him. Evan Bengali. Evan Dungali. Bengali. Like Bengal. the tiger. Oh, Bengal. Yeah. It was out of the E because I think there's something like that in there. Wow. Cool. Uh, I I always find like the recap is better than the actual episode. I feel like people get to the recap and they're like, why wasn't this just the episode? Yeah, they should like start with that. Come on. I didn't have to listen to the whole thing. I wouldn't even know Evan Bengali. All right. Well, everybody, (laughs) (laughs) on that note, we're going to leave. So, all right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. See you.